You know, if you have lived in close proximity to another person for any period of time, there's, there's been a situation, I'm sure, where you've messed up or they've messed up. It's, it's going to happen. Whenever you live in close proximity with someone, at some point in time, sooner or later, you're going to mess up or they're going to mess up. I, I, I read about a, an older couple who began to notice that their memories were slipping a little bit. You know, that, that happens the older you get. And so they were talking to their physician about it one day and physician said, well, I tell you, you just need to write things down. Just, just, you know, have a little notepad handy and just write down what's on your mind, what you're going to do. And that way it'll help you to remember. And so one morning the wife was in the living room and she said to her husband, hey, sweetheart, I'd love to have a waffle. Would you mind to prepare a waffle for me? And he said, no, not at all. I'd be happy to. She says, well, honey, you better write it down. And he says, I don't need to write that down. It's just, just a waffle. I'll go make that waffle. She says, well, sweetheart, I'd, I'd love to have like some whipped cream and strawberries on it as well. And he's like, all right. So you better write it down. He's like, I don't need to write that down. Like, I got it. You want a waffle and you want some strawberries and some whipped cream. And she says, well, I'd also like to have a little bit of syrup. It's like, honey, I'm telling you, you just need to write this down. I don't need to write that down. I got it. You want a waffle with strawberries and whipped cream and some syrup. I got it. So he goes in the kitchen and, and, and after about five minutes or so, the wife hears all these pots and pans banging around. 20 minutes later, the husband walks out in the living room with a plate full of bacon and eggs. And the wife looks at him and says, hey, where's that toast that I asked for? <laughs> now, some of you, I think, may have had that conversation yesterday, you know. If you've lived with anyone for any extended period of time, you know that either you've messed up or they've messed up and, and, and there's been some tension or some friction or some hurtful words exchanged or some hurtful actions done. It, it, it really is true. Anytime you are with someone for any extended period of time, you work with them, you live with them, you live next to them, you go to school with them, anytime in a relationship there, there, there's, there's proximity, there are going to be challenges. And there are some challenges that are, are more surface kinds of challenges, but then there can be some, some really deep hurts and sorrows that come as well. Anytime you're navigating relationships, the reality is the, 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 the more access you give a person into your life, the deeper you let that relationship grow, the deeper the wounds and the hurts can be. When there is a hurtful word spoken or there is a hurtful action taken. And in those moments, forgiveness will be required. But there's a piece of bad advice that's pretty prevalent in our culture today when it comes to the issue of forgiveness. We hear that in order to move on past these sometimes very deep hurts and, and, and grievances that we should just forgive and forget. Have you ever heard that? Just forgive and forget. Well, sometimes, man, you know, you just gotta, you gotta forgive and forget. And I've heard that many times in my life. And and I'll tell you, that's a really bad piece of advice because as you know, there are some things we go through in life that we can never forget. 
Some of you have been in relationships where you've been hurt so badly, you could never forget the hurt even if you wanted to. Some of you maybe grew up in a home where there was some type of abuse or neglect and you will never be able to forget that hurt and that pain even if you wanted to. Listen, we all encounter situations and circumstances in life where we experience a certain level of grief or pain or sorrow as a result of something that someone else has said or done. And in some of those moments, we're not just able to flip a switch and forget that it ever happened. That's bad advice. And so what a lot of people do is end up carrying a wound or a burden with them for the rest of their lives. It affects the way they see their relationships. It affects the way that they see their trajectory. For some, it impacts their work, their career. You know, there, there are situations that we go through where the hurt and the pain is so deep that, that if we can't deal with it appropriately, it actually turns against us and begins to ruin us and we can become defined by it. That wound that we carry, that grief that we carry, it shapes then how we relate to others. And, and therefore, let me give you a better piece of advice today that comes from God's word than just forgiving and forgetting. It's not that easy, but I, I want you to see that true forgiveness, okay? I mean, true biblical godly forgiveness is not forgetting an offense, but canceling it. Forgiveness is not sweeping something under the rug. Forgiveness is not winking an eye. Forgiveness is not trying to forget. No, true forgiveness is taking on the grief or the offense or the hurt and agreeing that you're gonna cancel it out. And to do that, you have to bring something to the table. And it's not easy, it can be very difficult, but I can tell you it's a better path forward than just trying to endure and bear whatever wound you're carrying with you. And certainly it's better than just trying to forget that it ever happened and move on with your life as if it never transpired. No, there's a better way because true forgiveness is not, is not forgetfulness, it's cancellation. It's bringing the cost to the table that is required to settle the account, if you will. And that can be very difficult, but it's actually essential <laughs> to being healthy and whole and for experiencing the, the best that God has for you. In fact, Jesus talked about this very thing in Matthew 18. If you have a copy of God's word, I'd love for you to join me there in Matthew 18. You'll find Matthew's the very first book in the New Testament. And Matthew was a follower of Jesus. And it's interesting, you know, Matthew knew something about forgiveness because Matthew had a, had a job before he met Jesus that often defrauded people of their income. Matthew was, was not a popular person. He would have been hated and despised. And Matthew would have made a very handsome living literally by defrauding people out of some of their funds and their money. And, and, and so Matthew knew something about having to forgive certainly himself in a sense through what Jesus had done for him and coming to a point where he was willing to make restitution. And then Matthew certainly was at a place where he would have treasured the forgiveness of those 
in his former profession that he had taken advantage of. And here now, Matthew's life's been radically changed. He has been forgiven by God through the ministry of Jesus. And he's now a follower of Jesus. And, and he's seeing the difference that Jesus is making in all these people's lives who are around him. And he's seeing Jesus proclaim a message of a new kingdom, a kingdom of God's power and God's grace. And it's obviously life-changing and game-changing, right? That's why Matthew left his former way of life to follow Jesus. And Matthew, after all was said and done with the earthly ministry of Jesus, writes this letter, this compilation, if you will, of, of the events that transpired in the life and ministry of Jesus that Matthew was familiar with. Now, of course, he couldn't include everything, but he includes that which was most pertinent. And he includes right in the middle of this, of this book, uh, a conversation that Jesus had with Peter, who was one of the other followers of Jesus. But Peter was just an average Jewish fisherman, you know? P Peter didn't have Matthew's credentials. Peter was just a a good old fisherman who grew up in a Jewish household and was well acquainted with all the Jewish customs. And, 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 and Peter picked up on the same things that Matthew picked up on in terms of this new ministry, this new kingdom that Jesus was inaugurating. And, and, and Peter comes to understand that much of what Jesus is talking about is tied to forgiveness. It's tied to a new relationship with God and others. I mean, it's, it's crystal clear. And so Peter comes to Jesus through the lens of what he had been taught, which was related to a more legalistic approach to human relationships and to a relationship with God. And so this was actually taught among the Jewish people, right? Like, all right, if somebody uh, hurts you, offends you, if somebody injures you in some way, you, you forgive them, but only a certain number of times. I mean, can you imagine like coming back from your honeymoon, those of you who are married saying, all right, sweetheart, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you seven opportunities or seven occasions where you hurt me. But I'll tell you what, if there's more than seven, you're out. Can you imagine that? I mean, hey, the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years together, I hope we make it. But if we make it, it's because you've not gone over seven. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy to us. But the Jews had this kind of weird legalistic approach to their relationship with God and their relationship with others. And so Peter comes to Jesus and he asks them this question. So I, I, I tell you that context so you don't think this question is so out of place because it seems weird to us. But check this out. Peter came to Jesus and he asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who has sinned against me seven times? <laughs> I mean, that sounds pretty good. Seven times. That seems like plenty, Right. And look at what Jesus says here. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, if you're doing the math, you're like, oh, so Jesus did put a number on it. <laughs> so when I get married, I can just give that number to my spouse and then we'll have an accounting book at the end of each year. We sit down and reconcile the, no, 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 no. You have to understand how Jesus often worked when teaching his disciples. Jesus often used hyperbole or exaggeration to prove a point. What Jesus is saying to Peter is, no, Peter, not seven times, but basically an innumerable amount of times if that is what is required. And then Jesus tells a parable or a story with a spiritual point to highlight 
this new kingdom and this new approach to forgiveness. And I want you to see here as we go through this, Jesus again is using hyperbole. He's using exaggeration. By the way, those of you who are parents with us in the room and those of you checking us out online, we do the same thing as parents, don't we? I mean, I, I, I was told growing up, well, if so-and-so jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge, right? That's hyperbole, it's exaggeration. We're trying to make a point. Jesus used hyperbole incredibly well as a rhetorical device. And so he says to Peter, no man, not seven, 70 times seven, you know? And, and then he tells this story. I want you to see the hyperbole here. It's, it's incredibly, I believe, instructive for us. Here's, here's what he says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, let me tell you about this new kingdom I'm inaugurating. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Now, these servants could have been governors. They, 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 they could have been uh, people with some type of, of official position within the, 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 the king's staff. But, but there's a, a point at which these people had borrowed money from the king. He says, all right, you know, time to settle the accounts and time for everyone to bring payment. And in the process, check this out, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, some of your translations will say, that he owed him 10,000 talents, which is an insane amount of money. I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here by using hyperbole is this man owed an amount of money, literally he could never repay. This guy doesn't make enough money to ever repay that kind of debt. You say, well, how did he get into that kind of debt? Because this is before Dave Ramsey, okay? Dave Ramsey didn't exist yet. So, so we didn't know that debt is bad. And so this guy, he, he borrows millions and millions and millions of dollars from the king's treasury. Now, again, don't press the details here in the parable. The point is, Jesus is made, this guy owes more he could ever repay. Millions of dollars. The guy's like on minimum wage, okay? And so he's got to come in. He's got to bring the millions back. And, and of course he can't pay. There's, there's, the, the point of the story is there is absolutely, literally no way this guy will ever be able to pay this back and he can't. So check this out. So the master ordered that this man be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. That was commonplace at the time. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Just be patient. And look at this, and then his master was filled with pity, literally he's filled with compassion. And he released him and check this, he forgave his debt. Now, if that looks to you like he just forgave and forgot, I want you to see that's actually not what could happen in that situation. Forgiveness is not just forgetting and moving on, forgiveness is cancellation at a cost. Because for the king here in the story to forgive this man the millions of dollars that he owed, the king would have had to cover the loss from his own treasury, right? 
The king had to make the decision. I will absorb the lost so that you can go free and be forgiven the debt. What does it mean that this man was forgiven the debt? Not that it was just forgotten. Not, the king doesn't say to him, hey man, let's just pretend that never happened. No, when the king said you're forgiven the debt, the king is necessarily saying, I'm going to absorb the loss. I'm gonna cover the cost of that. You borrowed millions from me. You can't pay it back. I'm gonna forgive this by covering it. Cancellation at a cost. I'm gonna cover the loss so that you don't have to. You are forgiven. And so we understand forgiveness is not forgetfulness. It's cancellation at a cost. Every single time we are required to forgive an offense that someone has caused against us. It's not forgetfulness. It's not winking an eye. It's not just saying, let's just pretend it never happened. No, there is a cost involved. The cancellation can only come at a cost. It has to come as a result of us saying, I'm going to cover it. Maybe it's financially, maybe it's emotionally, but it's saying, you know what? I'm not going to count that offense against this person any longer. I'm going to cover it. Not forgetfulness, cancellation at a cost. And then Jesus communicates to Peter that those of us who have received that type of forgiveness in our lives should display it to others around us. Because you know what the best news of all here is, what Jesus ultimately is pointing us to? The fact that you and I owe a debt to God that we could never, ever, ever repay. Our sin, our selfishness, our rebellion against him, his purposes, his glory, his rule and reign over this universe that he created and placed us in, our, our, our rejection of God and his goodness in our lives, our sin, our foolishness. Listen, it's led to a spiritual and an eternal debt that we can never repay. I can't do enough good to cover the bad that I, that I do. I, I, I can't bring enough good to the table to balance me out and get me to even spiritually with the God of holiness and glory, right? I can't do that. I have a debt to God I can never repay. And so what did God do? In forgiving me of that debt, he didn't just wink an eye or say, let's pretend it never happened. What did he do? He canceled my debt at great cost to himself because instead of me dying and spending eternity in torment and separation, he sent his son to die in my place to receive my wrath so that I don't have to. He canceled my debt at a great cost to himself, which is why on the cross, Jesus said these words to God the Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'll tell you why because he had to in order to cover the cost of what we could never repay on our own. That's how much God loves you. Do you believe that today? That is how much God loves every single one of you. He sent his son to die for your sin debt, to absorb the wrath that you deserve so that you don't have to if you'll simply look to God in faith and ask him to forgive you and ask him to come into your life. 
You say, well, the scripture says God separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. Yes, he does. But in that separation, God doesn't forget that you're still a sinner. He doesn't fail to be omniscient or all-knowing. But what he does is choose to not count your foolishness against you. Instead, he chose to send his son to die for you. And now he sees you not through your condemnation, but through the righteousness of his son who now covers you. That's the gospel. It's not cheap grace. Yeah, we celebrate that. Yes. It's not cheap grace. It's not God saying, ah, let's just forget it ever happened. No, God absorbed the cost of our sin. And he covered it in order to bring forgiveness. And therefore, if you're with us today and you've, you've, you've received that depth of forgiveness in your life, you, you've, you've, you've experienced the freedom of, of that debt being released from you. You have right now the hope of eternal life that death itself cannot hinder you from being in the presence of God. That death itself will in no way be the end of you, but in some ways truly the beginning of you. If that is your hope today, then that forgiveness that you've received can be extended to those in your life not by winking, not by forgetting, but by applying the same cancellation to the sins of others that God has applied to yours. Is it easy? No. Does it come with a cost? Yes. But is it the only path forward to true peace and the relinquishing of bitterness that enslaves? Absolutely. And that's how Jesus concludes this parable with Peter. He starts with, notice, the, the overwhelming forgiveness of this king to his servant, this forgiveness where at his own cost now the king will bring to even this servant who owed him millions. But watch what happens next, all right? I, I, I love this. It's, it's a little frightening. Let me just warn you if you're not familiar with this. It's a little frightening. But here, here's what happens next. The, the, the man leaves the king and he, and he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Literally, that, that, that man owes him very little. He, he owes him a few uh, denarii. He owed 10,000 talents. This other man owes him 100 denarii. A denarii was like a day's wage. Okay, so this guy owes him an amount of money that could be paid back. He owed the king an amount of money that he could never pay back. The king forgives him, gets him to even. He goes out the door and he, he, he finds someone who owed him just a little bit of money. I mean, it's not a small amount of money, but it's not nearly as significant as what he owed. And he says, dude, you gotta pay me back. And check this out. His fellow servant fell down before him and he begged him for just a little more time, be patient with me and I will pay it. Does that sound familiar? But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset and they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. And the king called the man in that he had just forgiven. And he said, you're an evil servant. I forgave you a tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And so the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then check this out. Jesus says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. 
I mean, how about that? How would you like to be Peter in that moment? Lord, let me ask you, so I just want to make sure I'm clear here. The boys and I were having a little conversation and, um, you know, we have a little, I just want to make sure like when somebody keeps like, you know, they keep, they, they keep hurting me, you know, they keep bothering me like seven times, right? Seven, seven times. That seems just, just, I'll go tell them seven times. Right. And Jesus is like, let me tell you something. And if you don't forgive like that. You'll spend an eternity tortured away from God and miserable and squashed like a bug. <laughs> Any other questions? I mean, Jesus just kind of drops the mic, right? I mean, and that's what your heavenly father will do to you. I mean, Peter going back, all right, what'd he say? What'd he say? He said, he said probably a few more times than seven would be sufficient. <laughs> you know, I mean... Peter would have to be like humiliated. Jesus just drops the mic on him. Like seven? No, 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 man. No, those of us who have been forgiven a great debt that we could never repay should show that type of forgiveness to those who owe us a lesser debt. Still significant, yes. Still difficult, yes. But can I give you some good news today? Forgiveness is truly possible through the grace of God. Not through forgetfulness, but through cancellation at a cost, the same cancellation that God has done for you. And so let me just give you, I'm gonna give you quickly here, just five quick takeaways on forgiveness, okay? And I, and, and I just wanna clarify some misunderstanding in our society and hopefully just bring, bring an encouragement to you. If you're new to church, maybe you're like, man, five, I thought normally Pastors give like three. Well, today's bonus day, all right? So you're getting the three that you would normally get plus two bonus takeaways today, all right? And, uh, and so just, just five quick kind of takeaways on forgiveness that I think are so radically important as we look at this from a biblical worldview. First of all, this is obvious now, having seen Matthew 18, but forgiveness is possible when we move from the greater to the lesser. I just want to emphasize that one more time. I mean, this is the clear teaching of scripture, moving from the greater to the lesser, given all that God has forgiven us of. Listen, we have the capacity through the power of his spirit, through the example of Jesus to forgive others. We can do it. God gives us the enabling to do it. We move from the greater to the lesser. All right. And as we look through scripture, we see the glory of a God who forgives and it's always forgiveness at a cost. Even when you go back to the Old Testament, what you see is that forgiveness comes at a cost. What was it in the days of the Old Testament? It was an animal sacrifice, right? It was an animal. And, and that's pointing us forward to the day when Jesus would shed his blood for us, the ultimate sacrifice. But forgiveness has always come at a cost. But the point is, from the beginning of mankind till now, God has always proven himself to be forgiving. And oh, how we praise him for that. He is a merciful, forgiving God. Do you understand in the history of human religion that our God is the only God? I mean, he's the only God, period, right? But I mean, listen, Christianity is the only, the, the only religious system that is rooted in a God bringing salvation at his own expense, right? Nobody else teaches that. Nobody else. In every other system of religion, you've got to work your way to God. I mean, you look here culturally at where the, the, the Jews were under Canaanite or Babylonian or Persian rule. They had all of these gods and they feared all these gods because all these gods would actually punish them, you know, whenever they stepped out of line. You know what our God does? He forgives. And how does he forgive? At his own expense. 
We see, let me give you a few scriptures here. Psalm 80, 86, 5. Oh Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Psalm 130. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, oh Lord, who could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. Colossians 1. Let's go to New Testament now after the time of Jesus. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And then Luke 24, look at how the ministry of Jesus is encapsulated. This is Jesus post bodily resurrection now. Jesus saying, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. Here's the message that we proclaim there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. That's the message that we proclaim today, that we have a God who forgives. If you'll just ask him to, if you just yield control of your life and ask him based on what Jesus has done for you to come into your life and to forgive you, he will. And when you have that hope and that forgiveness, then you have the capacity to forgive others. Because as Jesus teaches here, forgiveness is possible moving from the greater to the lesser. Secondly, make a note of this, check it out. Forgiveness is possible as we weigh motive and not just action. (laughs) Scripture teaches us that God doesn't just look at human actions, he looks at the heart. And when you're in close proximity to someone in your life, you know what, every action kind of runs together. It maybe seems like the same and, and, Sometimes we, we, we don't properly separate a foolish action from an intentional malicious action. And there's a huge difference between the two. Sometimes someone in your life will, will you know, hurt you, agitate you, frustrate you, wound you in some way. And it's, it, it's truly not intentional. It's an act of foolishness or a word of foolishness or something. And, and there might be a wound there, but, but that's not nearly the same as an action that's malicious or intentional. Those are two different things both requiring forgiveness at times, but different depths of forgiveness. It's just, it, it's just difficult. The more proximity you have, the deeper you love and care for someone, the deeper the wound and the hurt. And so sometimes we don't properly separate actions that are rooted in foolishness and actions that are rooted in maliciousness, but there is a difference. I mean, look over the course of my marriage, you know, I mean, have there been times when I've said or done something hurtful to my wife just in foolishness or forgetfulness? No, there haven't. But I've, I've, I've heard, I've, I've heard that that kind of thing does happen, <laughs> and forgiveness may be required. Are there times when there's been something said or done that is intentional, that that that, that is more pointed or malicious? Yes, and that's a different depth and level of forgiveness. But sometimes, sometimes it's easy to to be agitated or hurt or frustrated or angry as if every action is malicious and intentional and that's not always the case. So we, we have to remember that forgiveness considers whether or not an action is attached to a malicious motive or whether it's a foolish action. And then in turn, for those of us who are in need of forgiveness, it's important to make sure we own fully what we have done. If you get yourself into trouble and you say to your spouse or your employer or your friend or your family member, well, if what I said or did bothered you, I'm sorry, 
That is not an apology. If your apology begins with an if, you better just hush up. That's not an apology. And we have to at times own foolishness and say, hey, you know what? I had no intention of, of, of the wound that was caused at that level. And you know what? There are other times we have to own what we've done head on. You know what? Yeah, you know what? That was just dumb. And, I, and we have to own it and move on. And when forgiveness is required, it's helpful not only to move from the greater to the lesser, but it's helpful to, to look at not just action, but also motive. Okay, third, check this out. Forgiveness, just, just kind of this point, forgiveness may heal the injuries of an offense, but not the consequences of it. Sometimes we mess up in ways where there are ongoing consequences, even though relationally there has been forgiveness applied. I'll give you an example. You go rob a bank today, the bank owner may very well personally forgive you for, for the difficulties you cause, but the government will not. <laughs> and you don't get to stand before a judge and say, oh no, the owner of the bank forgave me. What's the problem? Okay. We teach this to our children, don't we? And I, I fear there is a generation here kind of like, hey, you know what I said? I'm sorry. It ain't no big deal. No, sometimes there, there, there's something done to where there are ongoing consequences for it. And forgiveness can be applied even while consequences are ongoing. And we have to understand that's how that works. I teach this to my children all the time. Okay, you've, you've said or done something that's gotten you in trouble. Okay, you've lost media or you're in, um, well, I don't know, timeouts. My kids are old enough. <laughs> we don't do timeouts anymore. Although that's not a bad idea. Go stand in the corner. You're 28 years old. Just stand there for a while. I'll tell you when you can get out, right? So whatever it is. Okay, there's, there's, I forgive you. I love you. But, but there are consequences. So we, have to, we, we can't misunderstand forgiveness as if at times, depending on the situation, there still may be ongoing relational even consequences that have to be sorted out over time. And so forgiveness is moving from the greater to the lesser. It weighs both motives and action. Forgiveness is something that will sometimes still involve consequences. And in fourth, check this out, forgiveness is sometimes extended by you, but not reciprocated by others. And therefore there's conciliation without restoration. Sometimes someone's hurt you very, very deeply and they have no interest in even having a conversation with you to make it right. And I've heard it said over the years, by the way, I think this is totally wrong, but I've heard it said that there can't be true forgiveness without reconciliation. I completely beg to differ. You have no control over what the other person says or does, but you have complete control over what you say and do and feel. And there have been times in my life, and I could almost guarantee there have been times in your life when you've had to grant forgiveness in your heart, even before the other person asked for it. Some of you may have come through some very difficult circumstances early in your life. And the reality is the person that harmed you or the people who harmed you, maybe they're not even alive anymore to ask for your forgiveness. But you can grant that by assuming the cost, canceling the debt at, at your own cost. I'm gonna absorb that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume that and I'm, I'm not gonna count it against them anymore. I'm gonna be free from that burden and that bitterness. And, and I just want you to understand, there, there are times when you can bring forgiveness to the table, even if it's not reciprocated. So let me say it this way. Forgiveness can involve one, but reconciliation has to involve two. And I believe wholeheartedly there can be forgiveness without reconciliation.
And, and you can move toward that. Let me give you a prime example. Jesus on the cross, shortly after those Roman soldiers nailed him to the cross, you know what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Did Jesus have a posture of forgiveness? Yes, he did. Even though that was not reciprocated. And if those soldiers never turn to God in saving faith, then there will be no eternal forgiveness for them. But I want you to understand that Jesus was not in a posture of bitterness or anger with them. Surprisingly, after he's nailed and hung on a Roman cross, he's asking God to show kindness to the people that put him there. And, and so here's the thing. Forgiveness is, is possible in your heart with your emotions and, and, and your convictions, even if another person is not willing to come to the table to reconcile. And then lastly then, here's the thing, forgiveness is possible, we can get there when, when we just place God's providence ahead of our pride. Sometimes there are situations where, you know what, the, the truth is we're not ready to reconcile. <laughs> The, the, you know, the, the truth is sometimes there are some situations we just need some time to pass. And can I give you a piece of advice in those moments where the hurt is so real and so present, just, just to ensure that your emotions follow your convictions and not the other way around. Our emotions should always follow our convictions. Always. Because if we're led by our emotions, our emotions will ruin us. You want to know a way that my emotions have tried to ruin me in the past? You, 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 ever, you ever been dealing with someone who's hurt you and, you know, you, you think about it? You ever lay your head on the pillow at night speculating about confronting the person the next day and what you're going to say and how it's going to end? Okay, I'm the only one. Let me tell you how that works then. Let me tell you how that works. You, you lay there and, you, and you're thinking about, oh, they're going to say this and I'm going to say this. And then you're like, boom, and I'm going to drop the mic just like Jesus did on Peter. And then people are going to be there and be like, yeah, that person's a moron. Yeah. And then they're going to say, I'm so sorry. And you're going to say, okay, well, you're still a moron. And then, you know, there's, and you're not really even worried about reconciliation in that moment. You just want retaliation. That's your emotion. That's not how God dealt with you. That's my emotion. I'm sharing that in the first service. I had a man, I'm, this, I'm not making this up. He yells out, how about in the shower when you already had the conversation and you're like, oh, I should have said that. <laughs> I thought, I'm glad I'm not the only one who does this sort of thing. <laughs> I've done that too. Like you actually have a confrontation with someone and you're like, oh man, I should have said this. That ever happened to you? Oh, that would have been a perfect spot to drop the mic right there. I missed it. And you call him back, hey, I'd like to have that conversation again. I got something I want to say to you, right? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes there's a wound, there's a hurt. It's legitimate. It's not your fault. But you're carrying a wound in such a way to where the response is emotion-driven, not conviction-driven. And, and listen, there are, just, there are just situations where we need to let time bring a little bit of healing in the sense that we allow our emotions to fall back in line with our convictions. And forgiveness will get us there. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that you just uh, snap your finger, wink an eye, forgive and forget. That's my point. You don't just do that. In order to get to a place of healing, a place where you're free from bitterness, a place where you don't live enslaved to this anger and spirit of retaliation, what do you have to do? You have to absorb the cost. You have to come to the Lord by his grace and say, God, I release what they owe me to you. 
and I'm no longer going to count it against them. And God, I trust you to be my vindication. And, and can I give you some great, great news today? God will be your vindication every single time. There are still some people that I've dealt with over the years, some ungodly, ungodly people who have said and done some things that uh, I'm, you've dealt with too. And just enemies of, of what God's trying to accomplish in the world today. And, and, and you faced them and, 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 and people and hardship and, and just terrible situations. And you, and you know what? In a very real sense, I just want you to understand, a part of my hope to, to cover the cost is tied not only in what Jesus has done for me in covering my cost, but part of my hope is I know that one day, every single one of those individuals are gonna have to bow the knee before Jesus and give an account for what they've said and done. And you know what? Jesus is the only one righteous and worthy to judge them, and he will. Because I know that when I bow the knee and I look to the Lord, I'm going to have a pretty long list of things to address myself. <laughs> I thank you for not applauding. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but you know what the good news that we have today? Those of us like me, who have been saved by the blood of Jesus. You know, you know the hope that we have today? That whole list, it's already been covered by what Jesus has done. And Jesus will simply say, paid in full, paid in full, so I can trust him. Cover the cost the best I can to bring people to even who have harmed and hurt so that I don't carry that bitterness and that grief and trust the Lord to do for them what he's done for me. And in that way, none of us have to live with bitterness or regret or the spirit of anger and retaliation. No, we can let God be God and we can trust him holistically to live in the way of this new kingdom. That's a better kingdom. Because you know, just as we used to sing growing up, I love it, Jesus paid it all. Do you remember that? Since Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Can we, can we sing that together? Can we do that? All right. I didn't have this plan, but um, that's our hope today. Let's sing it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow.